Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast brought to you by SME Strategy. Our goal on the Strategy and Leadership Podcast is to bring you practical and actionable tools that you can implement with your teams right away. My name is Anthony Taylor and I'll be your host. Each episode, I'll interview a senior leader or a thought leader that will help you elevate your ability to lead people and drive your organization's strategy forward. Our partner is Cascade Strategy. They're our favorite tool for tracking and executing strategic plans, providing visibility for your entire team, and helping everybody have insight into where you're going and what you need to do to get there. If you're looking to improve your strategy execution, visit smestrategy.net slash cascade for a link for a free 90-day trial so you can see for yourself if you enjoy it and it helps your team move forward. So with that, I want to thank you again for joining us, and we'll get into today's guest. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, people, and folks. My name is Anthony Taylor. Thanks so much for joining us on the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, sponsored by SME Strategy. At SME Strategy, we facilitate strategic planning sessions, and we help teams implement their strategic plans. And one of the reasons we have our Strategy and Leadership Podcast is the opportunity to interview amazing people in the field of strategy and leadership. And today, I'm especially glad to be joined by my guest, Andrew Friedman from shift and he's the managing partner at shift andrew how are you today anthony i am great i appreciate the time to be able to wrap with you i dig what you do uh how you do it and this conversation is going to be awesome cool i'm i'm super excited i think we're going to have a great energy today one of the things that really struck out to me when we were chatting just before this is the word excellence so my first question before we get into your bio is what does excellence mean to you and how does that translate into leadership teams yeah, I, you know, for me, the, everything about excellence or life in general really starts with this right to left thinking and, you know, defining success. So in order for somebody to be excellent in the way they think, in the way that they operate, especially as a leader, it starts with having an understanding of what are we trying to accomplish as an individual leader, as a team, as an organization, what's our purpose, what's our path, what are the metrics, like how are we defining good so that people know every day what are they operating against? What are they operating towards? So at the end of the day, they can go, it was worth it. I won today. I learned today. I grew today. I need to improve based on today. So for me, excellence is operating with consistency and proficiency against a defined set of standards that aligns with an organization's goals, strategy, and purpose. Boom. Put that on a t-shirt. I love it. How did you get to where you are now? Like, tell us a little bit about your corporate background, your training background, and, and what do you do in your, in your time now? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I probably overplay this a little bit in my head. I feel like it's a little bit of a Martian path. You know, my mom was an elementary school teacher for 35 years. My dad was a high-level sales exec and sales leader. I'm a little bit of a mutt. I'm a mashup of those things. So I'm a Martian and a mutt, I guess, if you want to keep keeping score at home. And when I graduated college, I went to Tulane, English grad, and I was waiting to get my master's in education. I was going to go back and teach. And I fell into, you know, into, in love with a job in health and fitness as a personal trainer. And uh, I can look back now and I can say everything that I've done over the, I don't know, 30 plus year career that I've had so far has really been about helping people, teams, and organizations be better in some way. 
as a personal trainer, I didn't know it at the time, but I look back and I go, I was helping people get mentally more clear, mentally more fit, physically more fit, emotionally more sound, like just better with themselves so they could accomplish more. And so I was in that industry for about 15, 10, 15 years. And then uh, I met my now business partner, Joe at Shift. And I was thinking about making a change. My wife was working in pharmaceutical sales, she came home from a corporate training event. And she was like, oh, the content was great. But the guy was like, ah, he was okay. You could have done better because I was consulting and writing and speaking in that specific industry. Anyway, long story short, I, you know, I cold called their company. They wanted me to start a Baltimore office. And then I bumped into Joe, my business partner said, here's what I'm thinking. He's like, dude, are you crazy? If you're going to leave where you are, which I never thought you would come help us start our consulting business. And that's how I got into the, into the business, you know, more formally and everything since then really has been about helping leaders think differently about engagement and performance. Why some people, some teams and some organizations can consistently perform well and why others can't. And that's rooted in organizational psychology, mindset, you know, Tony Robbins-esque landmark education, schooled learning, you know, think things like change management, org development, org design. All that stuff I have become a master of just by really throwing myself into for the past 20 years. Sweet. I love that. And yeah, I find how you do one thing is how you do all things. You know, just before chatting with you, I spoke to somebody who's an engineer, applies engineering principles, which I believe that engineers and people who are clear about their fitness are very aware of the system and the interdependencies and the connectedness of one part to the other. You know, you can't skip leg day. Well, what is the equivalent of leg day in your business? So, I mean, I could go any way. We could go anywhere around change management, organizational psychology, et cetera, et cetera. But I will ask you before I ask you about the book, what are you seeing, you know, in 2021? What are you seeing in your crystal ball looking forward organizations? What are they dealing with right now? One of their biggest challenges. And then what do you see happening in the next six to 12 months that might be, you know, upcoming for these organizations? Yeah, I, you know, the main thing that I see right now is, People are trying to figure out their playbook. It's like nobody had a COVID playbook when, you know, when the pandemic hit. And so everybody, you know, for the most part, made a decent transition to everybody in the office, to everybody at home or most people at home, you know, some manufacturing businesses and others like that. Their people needed to continue, certainly our frontline workers, but most people made a transition to working remote. Right now, people are trying to figure out the other side. And there's an even worse playbook for that, which is, now we've got this mashup of, do we bring everybody back? Do we bring some people back? Do we bring nobody back? And how do we do that in a way where people feel heard, seen, whole, that they have a voice? You know, so many organizations, their people are dealing with massive flexibility and they have figured out how to work really effectively from not being in the office. And now it's like, you see some companies like Goldman Sachs, you know, the Washington media, you know, group who are saying, everybody's coming back and I don't really give a darn what you think. If you don't like it, lump it. And it's like, okay, well, that's a perspective. And then others are saying, we're going to stay, you know, remote forever and everything in between. And so people are trying to figure it out. What they're not thinking about, Anthony, is, you know, on the top end is, well, let's just say you decide to bring people back all or in some kind of hybrid. Let's actually play with the hybrid one. So some people are back some of the time, others are not. And so if I'm not visible and there are people back in the office, does that impact my ability to influence? Does that impact my ability to get promoted or to get a raise or to be 
assigned to a strategic initiative? Am I missing out on the water cooler conversation, but for folks who are actually in the office, right? So there's, there's that level of complexity. And let's just say that I, for whatever reason, and you can't really ask me why I choose not to come into the office because I don't feel safe about it. Do I have a mark on me for some reason? Is there some kind of unspoken, like, I'm not a team player. I'm not working as hard because you can't see me. It's, there's all these things, you know, and let's just say, well, you and I do come back to the office and you say to me, Andrew, are you vaccinated? And I say, no. And you go, why not? Well, you can't ask me that, <laughs> right? We're now we're dealing in with HIPAA stuff. Mm. And so companies are really just trying to figure this all out. And I do think over the next six to 12 months, there's going to be more of this because, you know, things are opening up much faster now than people would have thought about 30 days ago. I think people are, you know, many are done. They're like, I want to start traveling again, business travel, personal travel. I want to bring people back into the office, the back half of this year, conferences, trade shows, speaking engagements, they're lighting up. They are lighting up, you know, Vegas and other places on the back half of 2021. You even see this in sporting events. You know, there was so like 135,000 people at a NASCAR event recently. I believe it was NASCAR. Um, Indy 500, like, yeah. Yeah, the Indy, thank you. So it's like, okay, so we're going to have a whole bunch of stuff over the next six to 12 months that we're going to need to continue figuring out. I think that's probably the number one thing that we're seeing. Oh, by the way, how does this influence our business model, how we interact with customers, how we interact with our employees, how we manage performance, how we define performance excellence, all this stuff is like mashed up. So it's going to be really interesting opportunity for folks to rethink, reinvent, reimagine. I'm pretty excited, as you can likely tell. <laughs> well, it's I think some people thrive in that kind of d- dynamic environment and some people don't like they don't like change. They like rigidity. They like that consistency. And so but it goes back to that framework, either the framework of what is the framework of what is expected. And one of the underlying questions I have is what people do like without an excellence framework. Like if you don't know what success looks like, you know, how are you going to thrive in it? But what I really want to sort of dig into and get your perspective on is I heard there's a lot of changes fast. I hear that there are CEOs and leaders that operate in their own sort of communications bubble. And then because all of these changes are happening, the communications probably aren't getting to them as fast as they need to compound that by a bunch of different changes and then add in all of the existing potential problems that you have in an organization. Managers and leaders are going to have a hell of a time if they're not on top of that communication, that alignment, that buy-in. So what are you recommending to people? What are you seeing? Am I on track with that thinking? Am I out to lunch? What are your thoughts on managers dealing with the communication part of a lot of change? Yeah, you're not, you're definitely not out to lunch. It's a, it's a thing. What you just put, you know, put the pin on And so for managers, you know, who are frontline, mid-level, you know, even mid-senior, what's critical is that they take even more ownership than they have before around understanding and creating alignment. So oftentimes, you know, I, you know, I, as you mentioned, I do what I do at Shift. I've got the book that came out. I teach as an adjunct at the local university here. And in the, in the classes that I teach leadership and strategy, I get a lot of mid, mid-level leaders and managers who often say to me, yeah, but Andrew, this stuff you're teaching us is great, but you don't understand. I don't have a lot of control. I'm not the one with the big paycheck next to my name. I don't have the SVP or the C 
next to my title. So what am I supposed to do? And the reality, as I see it anyway, what I know works is you're supposed to take a little more control. You're supposed to drive alignment with your leader. So if you're unclear about what the priorities are, if you're unclear around the main aims, if you're unclear around the strategies, if you're unclear around the organization's position on something, then ask. Put yourself in the conversation, put yourself in the room. Not only is there nothing wrong with that, the senior leaders oftentimes think because like they're in the thick of these conversations, they just think because they like they mentioned it once to somebody else and everybody is as entrenched and knowledgeable as they are. They're not, they're not remembering that nobody else in the organization has been in the thick of these conversations as much as they have. So it's a it's more of a blind spot than it is, you know, they're trying to ignore or not communicate well. And so managing up, as some people say, right now, critical, critical skill. And what about from a process, like a little bit more granular? What have you found works? I mean, you know, we've talked about stand-up meetings, you know, generally speaking, Slack communication structures. What have you found good processes? And since I heard you mention Landmark, what's a, uh, what's not the word I'm looking for? Not a framework, but you know what I mean? How, what's going to keep the communication rolling? Structure this is the word I was looking for. Yeah, we like, we like rituals, routines, and rhythms. So, you know, what are the routines and rhythms that organizations can put in place to ensure that there's clarity, alignment, and open lines of communication. So you mentioned, you know, some technology-based platforms like Slack. We love Slack. We use it here at Shift. We use it for ourselves with our clients. We use Microsoft Teams as ways to collaborate on initiatives and projects, you know, ownership, you know, assign milestones. And so whatever is most important in terms of the priorities, the strategies, the goals, the tactics, There needs to be some highly visible ways that those things are communicated. So everybody knows what they are. Everybody knows who's owning what. People are clear on the milestones and they're clear on the ownership. And they're also, I think I said ownership, and they're clear on the progress. right, so a way to make that really visible. And then also a way for people to have some real-time communication, to store information, store documents, share stories, share successes, voice challenges. Those things are good. And they can happen in those communication platforms like Slack. You also mentioned stand-ups. One of the things that we do here at Shift that we've taught our clients that I would absolutely say to your listeners is a a best practice is we start and end the week in complete rhythm here. Our entire company, we jump on a call Monday. We jump on a call on Friday. And the beginning of the week is about starting in lockstep. So it's not only about your priorities, although that's part of it, but we also talk about getting our heads right for the week. What are we focusing on? What's important? maybe a little bit of even filling each other up by some personal connection on things that were great over the weekend or some gratitude or appreciation. Like work is accelerated when there's deep, meaningful connection relationships and there's a sense of appreciation and gratitude. So weaving that in on the front end of the week, we find really helps people come in with a good head because most folks in, in many organizations, anyway, if you go back to the, you know, the old Gallup and other stat that 70% of the workforce is disengaged What that means is people are coming into work on Monday, whether that's at home in their fuzzy bunny slippers or in an office, they're coming into work with some sense of dread. They're not excited about the week. And so it's like, I got a case of the Mondays, you know, from the uh, movie office space, right? They're not feeling great about the week. And so if you can help them get filled up through the ritual or the practice of gratitude, that's great. And at the end of the week on Friday, we end the week talking about successes, what we learned, how we grew, what we're looking forward to over the weekend. So those are just some things to do to get people clear, aligned, filled up, connected, engaged. And the byproduct of that is we perform better. 
No, I love that. It's, and it's not complicated, but I really like the idea of lockstep and that connectedness. You know, we talk a lot about alignment and from a strategic alignment, like some people are like, oh, I got to review my strategy like once a year, like what a pain. But like the, the it's those little communications, because as soon as you let the little communications slip, that's when stuff starts falling apart. That's when people start having resentments. That's where work doesn't get done. And then, you know, being able to create a great culture there. But the other part of that I thought was really relevant and important was real time because of the nature and dynamic change. And because you're not working from an office or might not be, you don't have that water cooler time. You don't have that lunch decompress time. You don't have the after dinner, after work drinks. It's like, you're just at home and then you're talking to your dog or your spouse. And then that same stuff is, is staying on. And then again, visibility, making it a space, creating a time, creating a space to have those conversations. Anything I missed? No. Absolutely. You're right on the, right on the money. Cool. So if we look at this big picture and we're looking at all these shifts that we want to create, and then we have, you know, our team, our workforce, our communication, and then you need talent as part of that. And one of the things I got this quote from Tim McAuliffe, shout out Tim McAuliffe. And I, pardon me if I say it wrong, big players make big plays at big moments and alluding to that, that, Hey, I don't have the power. So what do you say to people who are either in a senior leadership role and aren't stepping in because they don't want to like rock the boat or aren't in a senior leadership role and feel like they can't, you know, what do you say to those people who, you know, might need to step up over the next little while and, and, you know, take that leap in order for those results to get produced? Yeah, I, this is a personal one for me. And for folks who do wind up reading the, reading the book thrive, you'll see this. I won't give you the whole the whole giddy up in this, but it's, it's in the intro. I thought this was important for me to put in the book. Part of the reason why I wrote it was as I was reflecting on my life, I had some personal things, you know, that occurred in my life, my family's life. And I said, I've got to stop playing small. I love that you started with big players play big and big, big moments or big games. And that's it. I said to myself, who am I to be so selfish to be playing small? to not be sharing what I know, to not be sharing my energy, my gifts. Like, what am I afraid of? What am I really here on the planet to do? And I, and I would just offer, you know, I don't know your listeners personally, but I believe that I know who they are because I now know you and what this podcast is all about. So I have a sense of what's important to them. Those of you that are listening to this, you're not here to play small. You don't want to play small. You are meant for greatness. You are meant for bigger things. And so what are you afraid of? Truly, like, you know, you're not, you're not going to, on your deathbed, go, one of my biggest regrets is, you know, that I spoke up too much in meetings or that I pushed the envelope. Like, you're not going to regret that, but you might regret, gosh, I wish I spoke up more. I wish I stepped into what was possible for me more. I wish I had more meaningful relationships and connections. And I wouldn't want that for anybody, especially not your listeners. And so I would just say, what are you afraid of? Stop playing small, be smart, be respectful, be professional but be on a bigger stage because you deserve to be. And frankly, the world needs you to be. Mm, no, I love that. And we, we would work with a lot of mission-based organizations. And I know in the Maryland area, there's a lot of worthwhile, you know, there's a lot of worthwhile organizations like in any area, but really being able to bring that commitment and bring that to people, it impacts and changes people's lives. And so that's, you know, that's why we're here. That's why I assert you wanted to come on the podcast and just to be able to talk about it. So you talked a little bit about the book, expand on it a little bit. What are some of the key takeaways? You explained why you wrote it, but really what can people expect? And maybe if there's an anecdote or two from the book that you want to share, because it's all about case studies and real life examples. So 
what's your favorite one that you think is you know most applicable to right now yeah so to, so the uh, first piece first and i'll hit the second piece second so the the book the you know thrive it is the leader's guide to building a high performance culture and my co-author paul and i we've known each other for a while we've been doing this for a long time and we said there are too many leaders who are working really really hard really focused trying to do great things for only marginal return on their energy they're working so hard and they're not getting the yield and the upside that they that they could and they should and we know there's a better way because we've been working with hundreds of companies you know over for me the past 20 plus years for paul over 40 years and we said we've got to get this out of our head this is part of that not playing small right we've got to help people at scale more so we put together this book that really is a compilation of what we know builds high performance cultures the practices the protocols the processes the mindset the principles and so we stack this book with as you said stories case examples reflection exercises accelerator exercises like 25 tools and templates that folks can download um, right from right from the website we created for the book so they could read this and not have it just be an academic exercise they can go this book speaks to me I get what they're telling me to do and they've given me tools so that I can go do these things. I'll give you one, you asked for a case, case example. Well, probably my favorite one, this is all about leaders and how they can create a barrier-free environment and the unintended consequences of leadership action. So the story goes like this, we're, we were working with a financial services company. We attended their national sales meeting, big main stage, 500 plus people you know, here. And one of the evenings for this big sales meeting is they do awards for folks who like really are exemplary performers. And so you get this, you know, SVP who steps up and is talking about one of the people on his team who got an award and why she got the award. And he said, you know, as a relationship manager, this person is indispensable. The work with our clients, you know, and advisors is so important. And, you know, what's, what's amazing about her, one of the things is the clients always know that she's on. She's always responsive to emails. She responds right away. She takes calls and returns emails at like two or three in the morning. It's like she never stops. It's just incredible, her commitment. Now, for everybody else that was listening to that, part of what they heard was, in order for me to get an award here and be up on this main stage, I need to work 24-7. I need to be returning emails at two or three in the morning, and I need to be always accessible to clients, which means I can't really operate by plan. I have to operate completely in flow and be responsive whenever somebody needs me. That's not what he was trying to say, but that's the unintentional messaging sometimes that people get. And so they get conflicting around like, what really is, back to your first question, what's the definition of excellence? Is it always being on? Is it not having a personal life? Is it not getting sleep? Is it not getting rest? Is it not spending time with my family? Because if that's how we're defining excellence, well, that's a little weird. I don't know that I want to sign up for that. Yeah, that's just really interesting. That's exactly what I heard out of it. I'm like, man, that sounds exhausting. I don't want to do that. And and one of the questions that I was thinking of is like setting that culture. So if we went to the sports team, different players play different way. You know, the Baltimore Ravens have a certain brand of football, you know, that, and it's not the same as a West Coast offense. It's a pardon for everybody who doesn't like sports metaphors. I'm sorry, but that's, you know, it's just happening. But here's another one. I found it interesting. Uh, I listened to uh, Akon talk about Eminem going into the studio and apparently he would go nine to five. Like it was a job for him. And that was his, like his creative process was structure. Whereas everybody else would do flow. And you know, if you know anything, if you know rap music or if you know music, Eminem's pretty successful. So whatever culture 
is going to bring out excellence in your team and then creating and finding a culture that supports you. And I think that's one of the things you alluded to when you're talking about, hey, either fully remote or hybrid or something is that people are going to start making decisions and they're going to move to cultures that are going to better support them. And so as a manager, you need to be aware of what kind of culture you're creating. And if you're supporting the people that are existing in your team and who you want to be on your team in the future. Thoughts on that? I, I completely agree. We we call it people are voting with their feet. And you saw this even with Basecamp not too long ago. It wasn't a remote kind of conversation, but their CEO made a comment and came out you know, with a basically a policy that said, we're not talking about politics or social unrest or things like that in our organization anymore. It's a distraction. It's taking people away from their work and a third of their workforce quit. Cause they're like, that's, that's not the kind of company that I thought we were. I mean, heck, you know, this, this guy, Jason wrote four books on culture. And so I don't know if he just had a weird moment, a weak moment, a different moment, a change in philosophy, but his people let him know by the way that they left the organization, what they thought about that perspective and what it meant for their culture. Yeah. And it's real. And, you know, we we're doing a bunch of webinars as a team about the multiple destination trap. And it's like, it's a blind spot. People don't see it until it like hits your wallet. Like you didn't think that there was a, an action there and then boom, it happened. You think you're praising somebody in a speech and meanwhile you're setting context. So, you know, words are decisive and being really aware of what you say and, and how it impacts people. So I know you got that by the way. What, uh, as we finish up here, what do you want to leave our listeners with? What do you want to challenge them to do? And then how can people get a hold of you and connect with uh, you and your work? Yeah, I'd, I'd leave with repetition around don't play small. Right? Back to the big players, play big in big moments and big games. Um, you know, now's your time to play big. The world needs that for sure. So I, I want to restate that, leave you with that. You know, I think what's really important is to start thinking right to left, right to left, meaning start with the definition, definition of success or excellence in all areas of your life. So this applies to your role, to your company, to your relationship with your spouse, as a parent, as a friend, like really get clear on what success looks like so that every day you're working your plan of how to come closer to that standard that you set for yourself or your organization, depending on the, on the context there. Those would be two things that are important. In terms of finding me, I'm easy. All my social handles are the same. It's A Friedman Thrive. So that's LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. The website we set up for the book is thrive.shifttheWork.com. You'll be able to see about the book and you'll also get a sense of videos. You know, there's probably like 10 videos that we've recorded with key concepts there and all of the accelerators that I mentioned, 20 plus accelerators that people will have access to. So your listeners, when they go there, will be able to look and pick and choose and just download stuff that would be helpful for them in you know improving the way that they're building their high performance culture. So those would be the key things, Anthony, that I'd say they're important for your listeners today. That's awesome. I love that. And I think just as I was reflecting on that, like I think you and I have a, a similar style. And for everybody listening, take your own style and have it work for you. And I think that from your book, it's just it's adaptable to everybody's way and style of doing things. So find what works for you and live it, like be your authentic self as you move from, well, move from left to right, but thinking from right to left. So um, honestly, Andrew, it's been such a blast today. Thank you so much for sharing. And it's, uh, yeah, it's been truly a pleasure. So I appreciate your time today. Right on. Likewise.
Folks, my guest today is Andrew Friedman, who is the managing partner at Shift. So be sure to look him up. Be sure to check the book out. Engage in those conversations with your team because, uh, well, both Andrew and I think that over the next couple of months, it's going to be interesting for everybody. And it's going to be the opportunity to create that future that you want, whether that is personal, whether that's relationship or whether that's work. So the opportunity is yours. Get the book get those plays and move it forward. So my name is Anthony Taylor. I've been joined by Andrew Friedman today. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. And until next time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that will help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it. It'll help your team think more strategically and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's going to give you a plan that you can execute successfully. Because you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful. And we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. The course is only $4.95 and you can get instant access to all of the videos. Plus, you can use the code podcast for $100 off. The course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course. Use the code podcast for $100 off, and I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.